Living in retrospect is a bad idea, and sometimes we let our same old stories hold us back from the new adventure God has for us. But here's the truth. God wants to restory us, transforming our tales of tragedy into epics to anticipate. In this podcast, Mary DeMuth interviews people who have lived through God's powerful restory process, where they've discovered healing, joy, and a brand new perspective. So let's shed that old, painful story and find the freedom we've been longing for. The Restory Podcast starts now. Restory, Episode 11. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash restory. Now they have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, your Android, your Kindle, or your MP3 player. Today, I'm welcoming Amy Young to the Restory Show, and I cannot wait for you to meet her. She's delightful, and we had some really great conversations today about the faithfulness of God. So anyway, I'm not going to say much more because I don't want to spoil the story, but uh, she, I just pray that her story would give you the wherewithal and courage to step out in faith. So let's listen to Amy's story. I am so excited to have Amy Young here with the Restory podcast, and she has an amazing story that I got to listen to while I was at a conference with her, and it was such a great story that I decided to ask if she'd be willing to share it. And one of the fun things that I've shared with my audience is that I have been kind of going about this podcast in a non-anal retentive way. And so instead of like strategizing and scheming and writing down things and, and pursuing, you know, particular people, I'm just praying and asking God to put people in my mind. And so he put Amy in my mind and because I just know it's going to be an awesome story. So Amy, thanks for coming on the Restory podcast today. Well, thanks. It's so exciting to be here. Yes. And you are um, coming from beautiful Denver, Colorado. And uh, how's the weather there today? Today, it's great. I don't actually know the temperature, but it's not coat weather. So oh, it's good. that temperature. That's good. Well, in Texas, of course, it's always 4,000 degrees and it's right. never, <laughs> never, ever coat weather. So I've decided I need to come visit you so I can wear a coat. That'll be fun. Do it. Okay, I will. So um, you were actually, several years ago, uh, you were a teacher in China. You're teaching mm-hmm. English. And yes. um, you went through a lot while you were there. And so I want you just to kind of share a little bit of the story of how you got there and then um, kind of the culmination of your time there. And I'll interrupt you as you know as you go because I'm rude that way. But <laughs> no, I won't. No, that's good. That, then you can clarify where right. it's so to right. me. But maybe exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was an education major in college. We'll go all the way back to back in college. And it was just neat to see. I, it wasn't on my radar at that time that God would use China. And so it's just kind of neat. I went to a conference and just really sort of laid on my heart. You know, I was youngish. And so I was really wanting to do something like just saying, Lord, I have a whole life to live. Like I'm going to be old at some point. I'm going to be 80 or Lord willing, 90 or my goal age of 108 in three days. <laughs> Awesome. And I want to look back just knowing that I handled what you entrusted me with well, with as few regrets as I could on my side, understanding life throws curveballs and things. But I just really thought, you know, this is the time to position myself. Like, God, you can use me. And so it's so funny. He used the Hallmark um, Hall of Fame movie, Sarah Plain and Tall. <laughs> 
to kind of inspire and show, you know, that she went off and did something that kind of made no sense to her family. They're like, you're living in Boston. Why are you moving to Kansas? And that sometimes a story on the outside isn't going to make sense to people. And and so I was at this conference and I just really felt God say, you know, go to China. This was in the early 90s. And just they needed English teachers just thinking, where can I use just skills that I have for him. Um, and I like people. I like teaching. Um, and so it just was a really natural fit. Um, so I moved to China in the mid-90s. And I was there for about 20 years. And really, it's so funny. Even just Sunday, just two days ago in church, I saw someone I hadn't seen in a while. And she was like, oh, you're not in China anymore. I thought that that was going to be your life. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, funny thing. So did I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but here I am. <laughs> And it's good. But yeah, so I went to China really kind of, honestly, at first, I thought it was going to be two years. This Mm. was, you know, in the early 90s, things were kind of difficult. And China was still scary and different. And it just, it was a great fit for me. I loved it. And so, yeah, as the years went by, it was around year nine, I realized, oh, maybe this is a career. (laughs) (laughs) Like, at what point do we call career? I was like, maybe, maybe about year nine. And then it just really was I thought that's where I was going to be until I retired. So it was surprising, yeah, that I'm in Denver, Colorado and not wearing a coat. So And I am in Dallas, Texas, and I'm not in France. And so kind yeah. of the same idea. I thought I was going to be there forever as well. And so sometimes God has other plans. So what uh, what ages were you teaching? I taught university level. So oh, they were awesome. Um, at different year. Actually, I taught different years, different things. But um, I started off working with adults. Um, so in their 20s and 30s, and then I worked with more traditional college students. And then the last stint was at a junior high in China. Oh, my. So I'm like, yeah, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, yeah, I've actually kind of taught a lot of ages. That's cool. How was uh, how was teaching junior high? Well, I, and I also have to preface it with I was at one of the more privileged schools in Beijing. So my experience, you know, these were kids who like, oh, my mom's the ambassador to Denmark. And you're oh. like, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And my dad's an engineer. You know, you're like, okay. But they, so they were the more privileged, but they also were sweet kids. I mean, kids are kids. So, yeah. So how many years were you there before you came back to Denver? Well, I actually was there nine years and then God had me come back to the States to do a master's, which Mm. again, that was surprising. I had this idea, oh, we need someone trained in counseling in China. That'd be great to have an American who understands counseling in China. And God was like, yeah, that is a great idea. Go get your master's. So I was like, wait, that wasn't my plan. So already, you know, God is already weaving in little, um, little side so trips. Back, yes. <laughs> yes. That's a good little side trip. Um, and so I was back in the States 2004 to 2007. And then I went back to China 2007 to 2013. So it was about a total of 18 years, kind of from when I started. Wow. So Thinking a lot of, of myself is China, China, right. Amy. A lot of your identity was wrapped up, I'm oh. imagining, in the fact that you were there. Massively. Um, and I think it is for anyone who lives overseas. Yes. It's sort of like when you've thrown your lot in and said, you know, I no longer, like my story was very different than most of my peers. I don't have a house. I don't have a like just sort of those markers of adulthood in U.S. culture, mm-hmm. I didn't have them to point to. And I'm not married mm-hmm. and I don't have children. Um, so really, you know, what do I point to that I have invested my life in that it is your work. meaningful? It's my work. It's mm-hmm. my work. And so, 
I again, I know anyone who has lived overseas, that's a big piece. And then I think when when there aren't other pieces to counterbalance it, then it just becomes even bigger and bigger, which is not bad. But then when it goes away, it's a big loss. Yes. And that's what I wanted to talk about today. Yeah. So um, tell me about the last couple years in China around the 2010 to 2013 realm and what kind of, how did God move you from there to here? And did you go kicking and screaming or were you like, la da da, I'll just go back home? Or, I'm curious that I'm thinking it's not that way, but. <laughs> oh, if, I wish my story was la da da. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's interesting. I've now been back in the States two years, and I think there's been enough space and enough healing. And even I just see God's hand in the timing of you contacting me, because I think even if it had been two months ago or three months mm -hmm. ago, it was still in process, and it will always be in process. But a big chunk has fallen in place in recent months, and I think God is now saying, okay, enough healing and restoration has occurred that you can now talk about it. Right you know, whatever, openly, authentically, without it being this bleeding wound. Um, so for me, as I said, I think the way God, God has worked in my story is it was changed through pain. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. Why can't we change through joy? <laughs> I know. I'm like, why isn't that? Uh, but if I can also just, you know, say, I really think, you know, for me, the only way change was going to come for me to leave China was through pain, it, being objective and stepping outside. And I think because it had been such a natural fit and such a place where then my whole life had gotten woven in, I think part of the loss was I went from this cute apartment in Beijing, working with a community I had been a part of for over 12 years. And we, we, we were colleagues. We were friends. We worked well together. We were a good community where my gym, the local stores. Mm. Now, since I moved to China when I was 27, virtually all of the friends I've made in my adulthood, I made in China. Mm. And they have since moved back to the States. But I don't really, I didn't really have deep friends here in Denver. I mean, I grew up in Colorado. I went off to college and then I went off to China. Mm. And so my adult friend base was not Denver located. Um, and so... To, to quote unquote, give up all of that, to be willing to relocate and kind of restart mid 40s. Mm. It wasn't going to come like, oh, this is just a good idea because I had a good gig going. So it was going to have to be through the birth place of pain, which I can now say without, you know, sobbing. And <laughs> so um, without I know you don't want to like disclose very, you know, intimate details of your job and the organization you worked with, but um, can you generally say some of the things that God did to press you toward this decision? Yes, I can. Um, I had over the years moved them more into the national leadership of the organization mm -hmm. I was in, which is, I, I can say, one of the absolute biggest blessings of my whole life to, to get to work in a great organization with great people and to be on the front line, helping to be a part of something and steering. And, and because I was in leadership, I got to know so many people in that organization. And over the years, the way it felt was just my influence and my voice expanded. And, and there was lots of space to quote unquote play in. 
it was kind of like I, I had the whole baseball field. Like I could hit to right field or center field or like, all right, I don't really know baseball that well. But, you know, there's a big, big field and it just, just felt really open. Mm-hmm. And, and in the last three years, my story was I began to play a different sport. And so instead of being in a baseball field, it kept getting smaller. It was like a basketball court or maybe a f- – all right, I don't technically know football. Whatever, we'll go with – you know, basketball court. And then all of a sudden, I just find myself – it felt like playing handball. Mm. So I went from playing with all of these people, this big team, to I'm in this small room, maybe by myself or with one other person, and we're throwing a ball at a wall, and the ball just keeps bouncing back at us. It, and it just, it felt like my world closed in on me. Yeah. And I went from having a voice and influence to what felt to me like being sidelined. Mm. And understanding very likely... I was either going to keep playing handball or I was going to have to leave. It was very unlikely that for me, my world was going to open back up. The baseball field was not an option. And you're probably moving from like handball to a single lane in a swimming pool. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I think that was the path that I, that I, and this is also where maybe people, Sometimes people feel something God has done to them. I did not feel God was doing this to me. I felt there were other forces at play Mm -hmm. and that God was as sad about what was happening to me um, as I was. And yet also because he is God and it wasn't just about me. There were a lot of other players in motion and, and just sort of saying, Amy, like I'm at work in their lives too. You need to trust. I'm at work in other places, but for you, this is, yeah, this is, I'm not going to supernaturally intervene and strike someone with lightning. So, <laughs> therefore, <laughs> therefore, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a, I love the metaphor there of a wide space to a narrow space. And I think, especially when you have some of your identity, and I'm sure you're working through this now, tied up in your job. And I, I totally get that as a writer. I'm constantly feeling my identity is tied to that position. But as you kind of get smaller and smaller, I can see how it would be also bewildering, you know, like you feel like your um, the rug has been pulled out from underneath you. Yeah, it is bewildering um, when there's also maybe some tangible things you can't put your finger on, but you know oh, yeah. something's going on. But in my story, it wasn't like one big sin thing or something where I can clearly point to, I massively screwed up here or this event happened. There was this big earthquake and suddenly, you know, physically your house is destroyed or something. There was not one big thing, but I just knew there had been a seismic shift and it wasn't going to shift back. Right. And so as you were processing this, how, where was God in the midst of that and how were you processing it with him? Well, interestingly enough, in the midst of those last few years in China, I was not surprisingly internally miserable (laughs) and yet also happy. I mean, I think that's what can also be confusing. And that's why it was kind of hard to pull the plug was, I still did have friends and Jim mm-hmm. and my small group, and there was still a lot good going on, and yet I was miserable. And so it was, um, and so in the midst of that, just like longing, God, like I want to be. I'm not a miserable person. I would like to get out of this miserable state. So something has to change, and I did not feel released to leave from China. Mm-hmm. And and just sort of like, I need you to release me. I understood it at that point. If that God, again, I mean, it's not like I was chained to a bed. I could have left, but God made it pretty clear in my heart. Amy, if you leave, 
it will be in disobedience. You need to wait until kind of you get the green light from me to go. Sure, sure. And then, yeah. And I just was like, Ugh. <laughs> and I think he also was like, Amy, if you leave now, this is why I'm holding. He was gracious enough to give me enough of a window of why I was being held. If you leave now, there's too much potential for a seed of bitterness to mm. really take root in you. And so we've got to wait until that is not a threat. Um, and so I was like, if I promise it won't be, can we go? Yeah. Like, no. Let me go. <laughs> and yet, as I say, like, I make it sound like I was totally miserable. I was pretty internally miserable, but mm-hmm. pretty externally happy. I had friends. I'm doing things. I'm teaching my little junior hires, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be so confusing sometimes that pieces are good and pieces are bad. And um, But I can vividly remember one night I had been at a – friend's house and we'd been talking and and you hear yourself suddenly tell stories that you, that you've lived but it was like all packaged together at once and and in the taxi on the way home god was just like okay you can go wow. I, I can point almost to where i was on the road that he said you're released this will be your last year in china um like the time has come. And it was uh, for me a gracious gift after so many years that i knew that last year so it kind of let me lean in hard and finish well. This will be your last Thanksgiving. This will be your last mm. Christmas. This will be your last, which is bittersweet. Mm-hmm. It's bittersweet. But it was gracious to know that. And so that was a weird, good, hard year, knowing it was going to be the last. And for the first half, it was a private thing because it wasn't appropriate for it yet to be public right. knowledge. It, and that's also good and weird when something is private and you know, like people are making these big plans for, you know, three years we're going to be, and you're thinking, I won't be here. Like, I'm not going to be a part of that budget cycle, thank the Lord, or whatever, you know, yeah. you're like, woohoo! <laughs> but sometimes it's, it's sad. And just people's reactions to, to the news that I'd be leaving, I mean, that's again, it was moving in very hard because my decision doesn't just impact me. Right. It doesn't impact others. For the listeners of Restory today, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to check out their services. Today I'm going to suggest you try Give and Take by Adam Grant, which is one of the best books that I've read in the past couple of years. Amy exemplifies um, Adam's generosity and the importance of learning how to um, live in this world and even in the world of business with a generosity-based mindset. So you can pick up Give and Take by Adam Grant at audibletrial.com forward slash restory or any other book at audibletrial.com restory for your free audiobook. Yeah, and I got myself all lost in the question. So ask me another question. Yeah. So, well, let's just go forward from there. So you're there six months quietly, and then six months, you everyone knows. And how, what was the, who was the hardest person to tell, or maybe what was the hardest reaction for you to deal with? I think the hardest people, now I'll cry, but that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I always that's have okay. people cry on this. It's cool. <laughs> that's okay. I was waiting for it. Like it has to happen. I know. Hey, she hasn't <laughs> cracked yet. Okay. <laughs> the hardest people were like friends that were on my team. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to be leaving and they were going to be staying. And especially the ones that had little kids. Mm. Because you think, this this child will always be important to me. Mm-hmm. But because I am leaving, 
I won't be important to them. Right. And that's okay. Like they're a three-year-old. I cannot put too much emotional <laughs> right. weight on them. But just that grieving that as hard as it had been to live away from my family, missing my nieces grow up, missing this, missing mm-hmm. that. This now was my China family. Mm-hmm. And I now was going to miss their kids growing up. Right. And being a part of their birthday parties or their holidays. And that was the hardest to have to tell someone, we're not going to be doing life together anymore. Right. Oh, that that's was the hardest. That's really heavy and hard. And, and because you place so much of yourself within that. And if you have good community then to walk away from it is really hard. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I found there's been pockets of time where I've had awesome community in my life and I'll point back to those times and think, wow, cause it doesn't always happen. Like it doesn't, it, it's rare. And so when you have it, you kind of get addicted to it in a positive way. Like this is so good. I don't know if I'll have it again. Of course God will bring it again, but it's never like constant, like a hundred percent of the time you always have good community. Right. Uh, yeah. And so that was why it was so hard. I was in a season of really good personal community. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> like, oh. So um, you uh, then came home and uh, it and it was all like unicorns and rainbows and ponies, right? <laughs> <laughs> Mary, you know the story so well. <laughs> oh, then it was hard. What happened when you got home? Well, then it was, yeah. Super hard. It's funny. Yeah, you think, would I have made changes had I known? And I still would have, but it's funny. Um, I was to a place where I just knew life had to change. And so I came back to the States, not really with a plan in place. <laughs> right. You just wanted to kind of recover. Yes, yes. And so many plans. Like It was funny just kind of reflecting on the journey to see, oh, like I tried – this one organization working out here that didn't work. So you try and you try to tap into different pieces while the whole time, very graciously, I'm still on full-time support. Um, and my supporters were very gracious of understanding this is a massive midlife. And again, Amy's not a flaky person that has jumped from job to job to job. Right. And so they were very gracious to give me space, um, to figure things out. And it's interesting how, Again, the life of faith is not a math formula or it's not. Oh, come on. I know. I know. (laughs) I want to know. That's why I'm asking you here. I just wanted to know the formula. Darn it. I know. I know. (laughs) Um, And yet, looking back, I can see God's hand weaving through it. But at the time, it just felt like a lot of small no's, which were also good. Like I can see they were not the right thing. And so I'd rather nose to the wrong things, Mm -hmm. except when you keep getting no, 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 you just think, am I now so out of step with what normal is? Like, can I ever, (laughs) am I ruined for just like a normal life? Can I not find something to do in a calling? Um, So I'd applied with one organization that they had said, this is going to be a lengthy process, a lengthy interview process. And I was like, that's fine. Communicated with my supporters. We're talking nine months lengthy process. Oh, nine months. Wow. And I didn't start with them till a couple months back in the States. So in the midst of all of that, um, my dad had hepatitis C and he'd had it mm. for 30 years. So mm. we knew about that. But right about two weeks after I got back from the States, he was diagnosed with liver cancer. Oh, dear. And so I'm in internal kind of personal, what am I going to do with my life? Like my time, my job, my purpose. You know, I want a purpose-driven life. Haha. Um And then the personal with just my dad's health. 
and looking back now, we can see my dad was probably dying all fall, all that first oh, fall gosh. that I got back in the States, but we didn't quite realize it. And so in the midst of this, I'm applying with this organization and um, my dad ended up needing to be taken to the emergency room. The end of January, my sister and I took him and that was the last time he left the house oh, and he wow. died later. And it was wow. like, wait. Wait, what? Um, wow. He ended up having, due to his liver disease, um, renal and then liver, mm-hmm. so kidney and liver failure. Um, and it was one of those things where it was like, I call it the tilt of whirl of death mm-hmm. because we thought, oh, this is something related to the cancer. And then it's like, oh, you've got months. And then it's like weeks. And then it ended mm-hmm. up being days. And it just was like trying to readjust. Um, and so, boom, on um, February 5th mm. of 2014, my dad died. So it's like, wait, it was wait, my life was just all of this in China. And now mm. it looks really, really different. And, and still trying to figure out what I'm doing with my life. Mm-hmm. In the midst of now, I have two sisters, you know, and we're, we're dealing with the, our own grief of our father, but also helping our mom. And as everybody knows, there's lots of paperwork after someone dies, even if they've got all the paperwork in order, it's still just a lot. And so this was February, and it was early in May. I got a call from that organization, and the I forget, it was like the president or someone high up I was talking to, and he just said, Amy, we've decided you're not a good fit. Mm. And like, Ouch. Yeah, and, and that was the exact wording, um, and wouldn't really elaborate on it, I think because he was so uncomfortable and just got off the phone. And so I'm like, oh, my word. I, I might cry again. Like I'm like mm-hmm. I left China in mm-hmm. June. My dad's diagnosed. I'm trying to figure out what to do with my life. My dad dies. I thought I had this plan in place, and it's like oh, and the bottom just fell out again. It was a Monday morning about nine, and um, I remember I went to Zumba, which just physically moving helps me so much in my spiritual life. Like mm-hmm. so much work is done on the treadmill or in the Zumba class. There's just something about like moving your body. Yes. Just also, I I think frees up little log jams in your soul and you can just process things. And so I'm doing Zumba crying, which is very attractive. (laughs) Um, Hoping no one is noticing. Oh, she's sweating a lot out of her eyes. (laughs) um, And, you know, and God was just like, Amy, what is it you want to be doing? And I said, well, God, I really want to be doing three things. I want to be writing. Mm-hmm. I want to be working with Chinese here in mm-hmm. Denver. And I want to be invested in, in working with cross-cultural workers around the world. Nice. And he said, let's review. What are you doing with your life? And I was like, I'm writing. <laughs> I'm working with Chinese at Denver University. And this whole avenue of Velvet Ashes um, mm-hmm the online ministry for women, it's an online community, velvetashes.com, that I'm a part of the leadership team had taken off and really seeing that God was using that. So God's like, so basically you have your dream job. It just didn't come packaged with a cute or like in a nice box with a title where someone can point to nurse, right. doctor, accountant. He's like, so what you are is you live a messy life that's meaningful. Like, are you go are you willing to live an untitled life that's exactly mm. what you want? And I was like, Oh, well, when you put it that way, I am. <laughs> but I mean again, so it was it was a journey that was up and down. 
That really resonates with me because I think um, even this year I've I've applied for several jobs and even gotten one and had to walk not uh, not accept it. And um, the Lord was really clear after all of that rigmarole that I'm doing it. You know, I'm doing the job I'm supposed to do, but it's does like you said, it doesn't come in a box. It's not well defined. And there's a lot of faith that's involved for people who are entrepreneurs like that, you know, and, you know, even though it's ministry, it is entrepreneur because you're, you have multiple streams of income and it, and there's the weird part of ministry being tied to funds and, you know, all that. So it can be very, um, it's very disconcerting. Almost on a weekly basis. And I bet you get this too. It's like, well, what do you do? Or, <laughs> oh, like you've been back two years. Aren't you going to get a job? And I'm like, I have a job. And ironically, the church you're at supports me. So yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah, because it doesn't fit in a tidy box, it's hard for people to grasp. Yes. And I think that's also like, I'm just having to be like, as long as, again, my supporters know, and I'm, I have people that I'm accountable to, and God is happy, I just have to be okay that people are not going to get my life. <laughs> yeah. And to be misunderstood. And yes, that, you yes. know, that's where I've had to go back to our misunderstood savior. He was constantly misunderstood. And that just helps me to know, okay, Jesus understands what it's like to be misunderstood on a global scale. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's helpful. That's, so, you know, looking, reframing. Yes. Looking back on your story, how would you say, I mean, you've had a cataclysmic shift and then came home to some trauma, extreme trauma and grief. How would you say God has restoried you? How has he given you a new story and how are you kind of walking in that? You know, I, what I think God has shown me, he's done so much. That's why my answer right here is all muddled because like, how do you start to take mm. this massive thing and again, put it simply and succinctly. On one hand, the way God has restored me and restored is he, I had become so identified with China and, and I understood China and the work in China. And God was like, Amy, the thing is you want to, and if people could see me, I'm like, I've got my arms or, or my hands around an invisible ball. Like <laughs> you want China. I want the world for you. And so through the work with Velvet Ashes, I now know and have contacts with people working and serving and loving Jesus all over the world. Mm. Like I was satisfied with China, which is a huge country and 1.4 billion. So yeah. like, I, I'm not, a, not a small country. <laughs> and God is saying like, yeah, your dream is good. You're not invested in a bad thing, but I have so much more. And unfortunately you have to let go of China to create the space for more to come. And you have to, like, you've got your arms around or your hands around this small thing. And I want your hands bigger and open, more open so that a bigger thing can come in. And so, yeah, I just, I did not see that the dream could have gotten even bigger. Hmm. I thought it was going to get smaller somehow. And the dream has gotten bigger. And I think God has also just said, you know, you were so used to working with in one kind of context, teaching English. And I want you to understand that my heart and hand all over the world, there's so many people doing so many things in my name that are exciting. And and to show you that the news just makes it seem like there's so much awfulness in the world. And there is so much awfulness. I don't want to deny the awfulness. But that God is so at work and there's so much going on. And I will also say, though, he, he has said, Amy... Too often, I think we Christians feel forced to say either 
everything is wonderful or everything is terrible. Mm. And part of your story is going to be, yes, I have restored, but there is still loss. Mm-hmm. And that you can own that loss and it's okay. Um, that that you don't have to pick. It's all wonderful or it's all terrible. The name of my blog is The Messy Middle. And he's mm-hmm. like, you're going to understand The Messy Middle. Like you thought that was a cute little title you picked a few years ago. <laughs> now you have to live it. <laughs> now you have to live it. And that, that it's okay that, that we can own both parts of that. That I can still say, I really miss my life in China. Mm-hmm. And I'm unbelievably blessed to live a bigger story than I could have lived if I stayed there. And that those can be... They can coexist. They can coexist. They can coexist. Yeah. I love that. So what kind of... What kind of advice would you give to someone who's going through career transformation or career transition? The biggest piece of advice is, I think, to be gracious to yourself mm. and understand it's going to take far longer than you would like. <laughs> That's so encouraging. <laughs> I know. Yes, for more <laughs> tips. No. But I really think, you know, I've, I started meeting about eight months ago with a spiritual director. Mm. I found like, I don't really need counseling, like which, and again, obviously I'm not opposed to counseling, but that I didn't feel that was the piece that was missing. Or I, so meeting with my spiritual director and she has just kept pushing me back to Amy. There's so much grief in your story. There's, mm-hmm. which I frankly, then I would push back on her. Well, I don't want my story to be a story about grief. Like, no, I want my story to be about the unicorns and rainbows and mm-hmm. kittens. <laughs> yes, you know, course. and she's like, but look, this and this and this. And I think she has also just showed me to slow down the process internally. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think with our, what are you doing kind of culture? Like, how do we, where do we get our identity? There's just this pressure. Like, we've got to figure it out. And I think God is just so much slower in the best sense. Like, the spirit of hurry is not from Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, the spirit of hurry is from the enemy and from the world. And so as much as we can internally slow down the process, just lean into the grief and also lean into healing takes time. And that each story is going to be different because one piece I hadn't realized was so big in my story was because I was hurt by community. (laughs) It took, it's taken two years to, and again, before this, like I was the team lady. I love team. I love people. I love, um, and I hadn't realized how deeply I'd been hurt by community, um, which again, I was like, that was one of my sources of greatest joy and happiness. So it's taken about two years to get restoried and restored in community. Um, and I am grateful now that I did not rush that process, that I didn't falsely say, no, community is so important. I'm going to re-engage in whatever that's going to look like for for a person, whether it's church or a small group or this or that. Um, Letting it take its time and just the healing to occur so that when it was time to re-engage, I was at a place, trust had to be rebuilt in my heart on a community level, on a Mm -hmm. community level. Um, I don't know if you know the song from All Sons and Daughters. I don't really know much Christian music, so I'm going to make myself sound like I do. But it's called, um, oh, King of Glory. Yes. For my soul. Yeah, great song. Oh, gosh, yeah. When light or when dark gives way to light. And that's what I just felt. Sometimes 
we can't force the darkness to give way to light. And we just have to wait and keep keep leaning forward, keep praying, keep, you know, I mean, doing our part, but sometimes it's just God's timing. And then the darkness gives way and light comes in. It's interesting. We're doing this conversation in fall, in autumn, and there is something just very helpful about looking at the seasons, yes. you know, that there are seasons in our lives. And, and you're right. I mean, you can't make summer come. You can't force winter to, you know, have its icy grip on you. It just, you have to wait through those seasons. And, you know, I wrote in Wall Around Your Heart about the very thing that injures you is the thing that restores you. So when you're injured in community, community is what restores, but you're right. You have to, you have to walk through some significant healing because your trust muscle is all busted up and it's, it's not wise just to you know, intermittently grab people off the street and say, I want to be in community with you. You're so awesome because that will just, that will open you up to more pain and then your wall gets higher. So you have to be cautious about that. I love that word. I think it's wise. And I do think you're right. We're in a culture that is a hurried culture and a culture that is identified solely by what we do. And so slowing down and finding our identity in Christ is actually countercultural and it's a, it's kingdom thinking. Very much so. Well, I am just so grateful that you are with me to um, share this amazing story. And I've had some great stories so far. And this is the first one kind of about career and ministry. So I'm just grateful. And uh, remind the listeners where, uh, where your sites are, especially the one for missionaries overseas. Okay. That one is velvetashes.com. So V-E-L-V-E-T. A-S-H-E-S dot com. And a velvet ash is actually a tree. And it's it's a tree. A velvet ash thrives in the desert. And that's just our hope that wherever people are, that they're thriving personally, relationally, you know, with their kids, with their work, that, that, you know, God wants us to, to be a velvet ash wherever we're planted. And then my personal blog is The Messy Middle, which is MessyMiddle.com. And that's how I met Amy was through that blog. Yeah. And uh, and I read Velvet Ashes all the time, even though I'm stateside and I'm no longer serving overseas. The It's very honest and it's very raw, but it's also very intersected with the heart of God. And so if you're looking for some encouragement, definitely go to velvetashes.com. Thanks so much, Amy. Thanks, Mary. Thanks for listening to Restory. Do you mind if I pray for you? Jesus, thank you for your kindness. Thank you for loving us through grief, through loss, through bewilderment, through um, fatigue, through storms. We just thank you for that. Thank you for just being a good God who cares about the things that bother us, who cares about where we live, who cares about our job, who cares about the relationships that we have, who cares about how we feel, who cares about our loneliness. So I'm just thankful that you, that you are that. Thank you for being faithful to Amy. Thank you for loving her through a lot of transition, Lord. And for those going through transition right now, I just pray for perspective, that you would lift our eyes above the problem and begin to see that you are working this out for our good and for your good pleasure as well. Lift our eyes above the menialness of today and yet help us to find the sacredness of just simply obeying you moment by moment, every moment of the day. Thank you for your love. It's deep, it's wide, it's long, it's high, it's greater than our sin. It is a forgiving love, a grace-filled love. You delight in us, you love us, you are for us, and I just, I'm so grateful and I thank you. 
so much for for your love because without it we would be nothing we just need you so today would you shower my listeners with love that every place they turn they would experience it send them little love notes bring people in their lives that remind them of your care and your your gentleness and your love i pray all these things in jesus name amen if you'd like to know more about today's show with links and extended information, please go to RestoryShow.com forward slash 11. That's forward slash 11. And may you live a brand new story this week.